Hello and welcome to Hello's brand new podcast, In A Good Place. I'm your host, Rosie Nixon, and in every episode, I'll be chatting to an inspirational personality on my mission to discover how to lead the kind, happy and fulfilled life we all deserve. We live in a busy world and it's easy to feel overwhelmed or burnt out at times. So this is a podcast about real life, the one away from the spotlight. We're unapologetic about being vulnerable here at In A Good Place, and I'll be asking the same from our guests, all with the aim of inspiring others and helping you, our lovely listeners, to understand that you are not alone. At the beginning of each conversation, I'll ask my guests if they're in a good place. I love this question and can't wait to see how it is interpreted and where our conversation leads us. At the end of each chat, I guarantee you'll feel one step closer to creating the life you want to wake up to. I am absolutely delighted that Luxury Family Hotels are our partners for this series. If anyone knows about being in a good place, it's them. Luxury Family Hotels is a collection of five hotels, estates and manors in some of England's finest countryside and coastal locations. And having experienced some of their hotels for myself, I can personally vouch for them having put me and my family into a good place the moment we step through the doors and drop our bags. Carol Vorderman is TV royalty. She's one of the UK's best loved presenters. Known for her sharp brain, wit and warm approach, she's just celebrated a staggering 40 years in television. And during that time, she has been in over 10,000 TV shows. She's best known as the Superbrain co-host of Countdown for 26 years. And Carol has no intention of stopping, having just begun a new era as part of the This Morning team. But it's not only her professionalism on screen that's won her legions of fans, including a following of nearly 300,000 on Instagram. At 61, Carol is in the shape of her life. She's fit, she's fearless, she's on fire. I love Carol's energy and positive outlook, and she and I have been desperate to sit down for an in-depth natter together for a while now, so I'm thrilled it's finally happening. And I want to discover all of her secrets to define the aging process and feeling on top of the world. I think there are going to be plenty of takeaways from this chat, so please pull up a chair and come join us. Carol, welcome to the podcast. And tell me, are you in a good place? Oh, Rosie, Rosie, Rosie. (laughs) I am in such a good place. I am happy. I am free. I am jumping around and I am in a very good place. And normally in my life, I have been. There have been times I haven't been, but I try to forget about those as quickly as possible. Oh, that is so good to hear. You definitely seem to me to be firing on all cylinders from everything that I can see. (laughs) I am. And I want to know all of your secrets to getting there. (laughs) Uh, Where does this sort of inner confidence come from, do you think? Well, you know, I'm 62, basically, now. Yeah. And um, I think part of it, so I was born in 1960, and mm-hmm. part of it is that life was very difficult when I was young. So I was born into, you know, my, my mother and father who were married had two other children who were about 10 years older than me, my brother and sister. And mm-hmm. then I came along. And my father, when my mum was pregnant with me in 1960, was having an affair with a 16-year-old while my mum was pregnant and then told my mum two weeks after I was born. So she left the family home. And went back to her home, which was in North Wales. Mm -hmm. So there I was surrounded by all my cousins, all my Mm -hmm. aunties, uncles, literally in the street. And mum had to bring up three kids by herself without any support from my father. Mm -hmm. And they were, you know, times were hard. We were Mm -hmm. very, very, very poor. But Mm -hmm. as a child, it was harder for my mum than it was for me because I didn't know what poor and not poor was you know it was was what it was so I was always a free school meals kid and went to the you know local schools and the local comp and all of that kind of thing but in my teens my mum married my stepfather who I adored so Mr Vorderman my father Mm -hmm. blood father was uh, in the Dutch resistance and he came over after the war and that's when my mum met him and they got married in 1947 and then my mum, she obviously likes foreigners because she then married an Italian who mm-hmm. came over to, to Wales as a prisoner of war. And uh, his name was Gabriele Rizzi. And uh, 
and he was a builder and I absolutely adored him and it was a riot an absolute riot but then she kept leaving my stepfather so we ran away to the circus when I was nine randomly yeah and then she'd leave him a few years later and we'd go off to real the west end of real which is the poorest council ward in wales it's really really poor desperate there and um and then we'd go back and then we'd leave again and then we'd go back and then we'd leave again so i think in terms of you know where i come from i've had to learn at a young age to mm-hmm. leave the bad bits behind and move on mm-hmm. and about moving forward Mm -hmm. Wow, that's so interesting, isn't it? And how our early years perhaps help to define the way that we become as individuals. Do you think that you had to be self-sufficient from your early childhood? Yes, I did. And also I learned, and, and, and this is a very important thing, and I think it's a very important thing for a lot of people to listen to. Mm -hmm. Society's rules change thank the lord and if you restrict your own freedom and i'm not and in all of this none of it means you should be able to harm anybody else okay i'll put that as a caveat it Mm -hmm. isn't about doing what you want and bugger everyone else it's not about that it's about people stopping themselves doing something simple which can make them happy which is what we're here to talk about really mm-hmm. and because of what other people think mm-hmm. now because I had this very strange upbringing and yet it was an exceptionally it was odd in that it was insecure and secure all at the same time because mm-hmm. when you grow up in North Wales you know hardly anybody leaves Wales even in today's society when you I think it's 75 percent of people in Wales never mm-hmm. move further than 10 miles from where they were brought up so you know everybody and you don't you don't just know their people you know the family's history you know their cousins you know who married who who got divorced who shouldn't have been doing what with who and etc etc now some people might not like that but but I like that and so it gives you a security it gives you a sort of bond you know who you are mm. you know where you're from mm-hmm. um, because you belong yeah. is lacking in a, with a lot a lot of people now mm-hmm. and and so I had that but I also know about what nonsense society's rules often are yeah. and you know they're very different today to yes. 10 years ago and to 10 and when, years before that and to 10 yeah. years so why the hell are you restricting yourself just because mm. that's the current list I don't get yeah. it I and when you talk about society's rules do you mean that you know what you, your experience of growing up in a family that was very different to what society might call yes. the norm yeah yes. so I was brought up a Catholic now mm-hmm. I went to Catholic school, you know, those state schools, but they were Catholic schools. And in my primary years, primary school years, which were in the 1960s, we were poor. I mean, if you were Catholic in North Wales, you were poor. Mm -hmm. And, you know, often large families. Ours wasn't Mm -hmm. particularly, but um, you you never had clothes bought for you. You had everything you had was from a jumble sale or a hand-me-down from another family or Mm -hmm. whatever it might be. And that was just the norm. And, you know, Nitty Nora the Knit Nurse was rife, you know, iodine, like, stains on your head, uh, who was yeah. in class and all of that. But we had an incredible, an incredible headmaster, Mr. Gemmett, Mr. Fred Gemmett, mm-hmm. who was, like, the best kind of head teacher because he was funny. He'd make you laugh. You knew he loved you, mm-hmm. loved children, but he was also strict. And when I spoke to him in, you know, as a grown-up, he said to me, and this part of who I am, because education is very important to me, mm-hmm. he said, I had to be strict because I knew I see a child and I see potential in all of them. But I also know that when you're poor, you have to prove yourself 10 times more than anybody else in order to get on. And I'm going back, you know, years in society. This is before man landed on the moon. So he pushed us for the right reasons. Mm. And a a lot of what Mr. Gemmett did and taught us stays with me. And it's a lot of 
there's a thing, you know, when you, you see children who are growing up in poverty, and sadly today, there are far too many. But just feeling sorry for them isn't enough. That is not enough. That will not change it. It will put a plaster, a sticking plaster over something, but it will not change their world. And it's about giving ambition to these children. So my old two schools, the two uh, Catholic schools, have since been knocked down. They're in real. And they and a Catholic church built a, a new school there so that those sort of combined the two schools. But over half the children are on free school meals and the head teacher I, I know. Anyway, I've given them a slug of money and I said to her, Amanda, uh, right, obviously the kids need uniforms and all of those things, but I want this money to be used to give them an ambition. So that's the other part of the, of the Mr. Gemmett equation. One is yeah. to provide and one is to give them ambition. And were you aware as this girl growing up in real that your life could go in either direction? Did, were uh, you very aware of that? No, not at all, because mm. nobody ever said that to you. You know, yeah. we grew up, I grew up, you know, when you had to watch the telly live and yes. there were only three channels and there weren't any women on the telly uh, who yeah. were doing anything than being a hostess, as they were called, yeah. or, um, you know, a, a dolly bird, as mm-hmm. a bird. Or uh, they were actresses. And, mm-hmm. you know, that that was it. There wasn't mm-hmm. even Esther Ranson <laughs> no, in the 60s. And then we, in the, it wasn't until I was a, well in my teens that we had the first female newsreaders, mm-hmm. you know, Anna Ford and, of course, Angela Rippon. And mm-hmm. so you never really, that wasn't an option. But I, I don't know why. People say to me, oh, you're a rebel, Carol, because... You know, I went on, I went to Cambridge when I was so, only 17 from a comprehensive school and I, I, on free school meals. I was one of the very, very first to get to Cambridge and I was a year early and I read engineering and I was a girl and, 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 and. And I don't think any other child from North Wales from a state school had been to Cambridge before, certainly not girl. So this was all first, but I never thought of it like that because... And I still say it today, and I think it's one of the keys to happiness. It was like, just because other people say you can't, well, that's mm. their problem. You know, it's not my problem. Um, so a rebel does stuff to, they see a rule and they want to break the rule. For me, I've just ignored the rule. It's not mm. about um, going and doing something that's different simply because it, you want to, show that you're different it's just mm. like well that's stupid <laughs> well that's stupid and that's that what I think about a lot you know a lot particularly of stuff that's applied to women I just think well mm. that, why are you saying that that's a stupid thing to say that's how I that's how I see it <laughs> but this ambition you know it's incredible what you achieved as a young sort of late teen girl and so you what you had was something special I mean this inner confidence and this ambition where do you think that came from I think it I think it comes from a little bit of having to survive mm. I think I, and I don't know whether this is true, and I, it, but I, I, I'm, I was born with a happy soul. I like people smiling. I mm. love it when people come up to me in the street. I am so lucky, not only, <laughs> you know, for the life that I've had and, you know, I've earned stupid money for doing what, for being on the telly. So it's like, well, that was no great hardship, let's be honest. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's like people come up to me generally with a big smile on their face and they say lovely things what a great life that is yeah how lucky am I and I genuinely you know and it's the truth I can never complain about that ever 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 and I never do and it's maybe not what you read in the papers because you know there are certain agendas I uh, you know I've I've lived through many decades on there I've 40 years on the telly now I've seen it all and done most of it and I've got a lot more to do. <laughs> mm. But the fact you don't shy away from saying that you feel good and that, you know, you're on fire and firing on all cylinders, we all need to do this more often because it often doesn't come naturally. 
Well, why should we have to apologise? Exactly. We should never have to apologise. We need to be reminded to high-five ourselves in the mirror in the morning. Well, exactly. (laughs) But not in a way of saying, aren't you amazing? Although I think people should tell themselves that Mm -hmm. they are. Um, Or certainly surround themselves with people who say, do you know what? I like you. But Mm -hmm. if you like yourself, Mm -hmm. that's great. And and the only thing... The only place you live in, you know, if you say, where do you live? Some people might say, oh, I live in Surrey or I live in Manchester or I live in... But you live in your head. That's where you live. Every single person lives in their head and their reality is whatever is going on in their head. So you can have two people making the same journey, one car behind the other, let's say, driving in from outside London into into centre of London and there's a traffic jam. And you can have two, you can be behind the other person and have two entirely different experiences. So I'm pretty chilled, right? I am like sometimes so laid back, I'm unconscious. But another person can get riled by this and riled by that. And I don't, you end up in, you end up at the, the end of the same road. So just enjoy the journey. And actually chill. The world needs to chill a bit more. I'm very good at chilling. If we had a chilling Olympics, I would win gold. I'd definitely <laughs> be on the podium. Do you ever feel that you're not? Like, do you sort of know your warning signs? Do you ever sort of feel that you're in a fog or feeling sort yes. of burnt out? Or Yes. What are those warning signs the warning for Warning signs are when I am in the company of somebody who is not pleasant. Mm. And I get myself out of there because I have had a, a couple of bad relationships in that way. And we all have had the fun hoovers in our lives, whether they're friends or, or family members. And we've all we all know they are. Come on. <laughs> I'm speaking to I'm speaking to you now. Not you, Rosie. I'm speaking to you. Well, I know a few as well. Yes. <laughs> anyone who you're listening right now. I'm asking you the question. Do you know who I'm talking about in your life? And you'll be nodding. You'll go, yeah, I do, actually. I really, really do. And the best thing I've ever done is drop them. Drop mm. them. Don't waste time on them anymore. Mm-hmm. Just get and it, That is pretty a healthy attitude, isn't it? Well, what are we waiting for? Yeah. My brother, who's a very happy soul, is 69 now and he was born with a severe cleft lip and palate and uh my brother's never married uh, I think in the early years he felt it was because of how he looked so he was saying to me the other day because he's done very well he was a uh, for himself and he's lived in Holland for decades now and um we were talking about houses and this and that and what he's got planned, you know, post-COVID and blah. And then I said, should we just flip this, Aunt? Right, you're 69, you stupidly have smoked most of your life, you've got COPD, you've been tested for bowel cancer, la, 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 la. Right, let's flip it on its head. You tell me what's your best guess for the age at which you're going to die. Right, let's work backwards from that. What's your best guess? And anything after that is a bonus. Now, because we're both happy people, we see this mm-hmm. motivational. <laughs> right? Okay, I'm yeah. going with you. you yeah. Know, immediately he went, oh, that's a good question, Kaza. Um, And he said, 80. He said, 80 is a good innings for me, considering I've eaten junk all my life and, you know, I've drunk booze all my life and I've smoked most of my life, right? That was him, not me, by the way. So I said, well, and everything after that. But I said, well, you've got 11 years then, haven't you? So let's have a look at what you can do in 11. He went, yeah, let's, let's enjoy this, you know? And it's a very good question to ask yourself. Mm. I believe everything happens in chapters in your life. And don't cling on to the, well, I don't anyway, to the past at all. It's gone. It really has gone yeah. just as you will go that is the inevitability mm-hmm. of every single 
one of us, you know. But everything, Rosie. I'm sorry, I'm burbling, aren't I? I can burble. No, no, I'm loving it. I think well, this ability to think positively well, shows is, enormous strength of character, and it's so inspirational, Carol. Well, it is. It is genuinely. Yeah. Well, you know me, right? You yes. know. Me. I'll come into a room and I'll think, How, where can I cause a bit of trouble here? Mischief. Yeah. I know you have always got that mischievous twinkle in your eye. Always got the haven't twinkle. you? I love twinkle. I love that's what makes you such great company. <laughs> like not the twinkle. It's like yeah, come on, mm. let's question this. Let's yeah, let's not get cross about it. But yeah. let's, let's have a chat. Let's think. You know, let's think loosely. Let's think freely let's like come on what's the mm. problem yeah. well you make it sound so easy but it's not always well, the easiest it, thing for a lot of people it isn't because they listen to the naysayers right yes the naysayers can bugger off you know as far mm-hmm. as i'm concerned they can all bog off because mm. I, I don't even want to talk about them because they're not even worth no it. you're right and i do believe in finding your tribe as well oh your tribe is very important because then, you know, you can, like, my friend and I, Jules, have just been for a walk in the rain and we're laughing away. And I'm on the high street and I go, right, I'm doing my Ted Lasso dance here, you know, and we're doing a thing. <laughs> and, and other people would go, oh, yeah, oh, that's very embarrassing, isn't it? But it's not. Why is it embarrassing? What? Because some people in a car who I don't even know, I can't even see their faces because it's raining, might think that's embarrassing. So what? We're having a laugh. Yeah. And and that is about not caring about Mm -hmm. this judgment that other people put on you. I'm Mm. from a generation who were brought up to judge judge others, which is why I've been judged so often in my life. But I really don't care because it's Mm. on them. You know, if if somebody genuinely think oh and she's a this and she's a that and they all sound like that don't they Rosie yes they do well I think this disregard for what other people think and to have fun and never be afraid to laugh at yourself always should be the law shouldn't it I mean that's how we should all live our lives it should be the law I mean (laughs) there aren't important issues there are you know, mm. politically and what's going on and all of that, right? But that's mm-hmm. a separate thing. Mm. Now tell me, you just talked about chapters in your life, being a yeah. firm believer. What chapter are you in now? Oh, I'm in a very happy chapter because it's all a bonus now. So yes. you get to that age. You know, there's that old poem, um, when I'm when I'm old, is it? I'm gonna wear purple. Yes. <laughs> and spit in the street and all of that. Well, I started doing that very early. <laughs> and what was was there a turning point for you? Was it sort of hitting 60? Was there a milestone age that made you feel like you were beginning this next chapter? Well, I've had a few chapters. I would say, so I left uni. So in my 20s, that's when I got on the telly and la, la, la. Yeah, la, la. we're going to come on to all of that. Yeah, and that was quite happy. Uh, it was happy. Um, and I was doing well and everything was the first time, you know, first time on the telly and everything, you know, you get a great buzz out of that, don't you, whatever it is that you're doing. And then my 30s, I was very, very, very happily married. And then suddenly I wasn't happily, you know, it didn't work um, quite suddenly. Then my 40s should have been ace, but they weren't largely for one reason. And then I think I, I think from 50 yeah, it was from there, really. And I felt a great... Fr- Once I've lost this whole, oh, you've got to be with one person, you're only valid if you've got a, a husband, you know, that nonsense. Mm. That was a freedom. That was an absolute yes. freedom. So it, it, And then I learned to fly and, you know, got really good at that. And then mm-hmm. I was out doing stuff. And then I was flying around America in my little plane. And, and then I got a whole new gang of people at NASA and, you know, and my mates and sitting on boards of education over there. And, and it yeah. was like opening my mind up to and my life up to lots of opportunities and then that brings in people who are like you so um yeah mm. so I would say so probably. 50s a particularly amazing decade yeah 
setting the sort of foundations for the happiest ever decade, hopefully, sixties. I think so. I mean, you have yeah. all the menopause and all of that, but yes, I, I want to talk about that as well in a bit. Yeah, all right. But let's go back as well to the action woman traits that you have. So, not only are you a qualified pilot, which I just think is the most awesome thing, but I've seen you paddleboarding, you know, in your pimped up um, camper van, yeah. exploring the great outdoors. And did did you celebrate your fiftieth birthday with a mid air wing walk? <laughs> no, I didn't do that. Do you know what? I've never been wing walking. It's on the list, though. I know. Well, I think maybe maybe the 70th then we'll build up for that. Yeah, we've got a few years to learn, um, which I think is amazing. But how did this hunkering for adventure come about? I've always been that way. So I let, so when I was in my teens and my boyfriend, I'm going back to North Wales now, and my boyfriend yeah. at the time was a, a big rally driver and stuff. So we were doing things I love things that make you scared mm, so you're screaming. a high dopamine person are you oh my god Rachel, Is it a- I love screaming <laughs> I am a screamer right I yes am, okay I, I am a screamer and 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 a singer and I, it doesn't matter does it you know people go they have it up on their um on their walls you know sing like nobody's listening and then they yeah. don't Yes. Get it off the wall then. <laughs> Just do it. He's watching. So you crave excitement, do you? Yeah. Well, do it. I mean, so what really if you're singing out lies? I haven't got the best voice in the world. <laughs> and and you know. who cares? And do, does anything though put you out of your comfort zone? Because you're striking me as I mean, you have confidence in abundance. Is there anything that does make you feel slightly tentative yes the things that make me tentative are where if I did that thing the only result will be negative so it gives Mm. the naysayers and I'm sorry to even mention them to be honest the wine Mm -hmm. it gives them too much just yeah anything Mm -hmm. yeah it feeds them doesn't it it? yes it feeds the negativity yes and so why would you do it yeah. So it's only th- little things like that, I would say. But it doesn't enter my head, to be honest. Yeah. Because most of the time it's like, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. But having this attitude as well, I mean, it, going alongside of that is this amazing shape that you're in and how healthy you are. Yeah. And that just sort of screams out of your Instagram feed, which I absolutely love following. <laughs> it does always put a smile on my face every single day, seeing what you've been up to. Um, and I love how body confident you are. Um, you seem to have got even better and better with age. It's inspirational. And I see the comments on your posts and how you're inspiring legions of women over the ages of 50 and 60 how do you keep in such great shape tell me your tips and your regime I think the key so my age group women in their 60s we weren't brought up to do exercise right Mm -hmm. so you had PE at school and there Mm -hmm. was certainly no gyms you know, like people go, oh, you, what time do you go to the gym? They didn't exist until the 1990s. Mm-hmm. So I came to exercise late in my life, really. It's not to say I wasn't flinging myself around a disco, you know. Or Yes. What is your exercise of choice? Is it doing something on your own at home? I like walking, but I'm very yeah. happy who I walk with. And you walk miles, yeah, don't you? I've yeah. seen that. I love yeah. walking and I love my gym. Mm-hmm. I struggle because I live in two different places having a mm-hmm. routine. But mm-hmm. I do what I can. And I've started uh, stretching a lot now. Because mm-hmm. I think as you get older, you need to do weights. You don't need to do yes. an hour a day or anything daft like that. Yeah. But you do need to do weight-bearing stuff and you need to stretch and you need to get down on when I say get down your knees, like a squat, even mm-hmm. if you're holding on to the kitchen, you know, it's like, let's say you're standing in the kitchen and you yeah. hold on to the side, you know, to the uh, worktop because there's something in the bottom cupboard. You need to uh, do that frog squat. If you, do you see what I mean? Yes, like a big yeah, deep plie. You have to because if you don't, even for a couple of weeks, you start creaking. Yeah. So, um, but I, well, it's, it's working. 
it's, it's your figure is incredible oh, I have to goodness. say and how important is looking good to you so because I work in a visual world and everything now is visual isn't it you have to pay more attention mm-hmm. I have to pay more attention as do other women in my position to how you look than you'd really like to to be honest so then there's the scruff which is all the rest of the time <laughs> happy like that I'm happy I do love that you do show everything which is what is so great about you you show the messy hair days along with yeah, the no pristine this morning ready fully yes. made up days yeah. and you clearly have a lot of fun with your fashion and what you wear well the thing is again it's about you know these daft so-called rules of society so it was this century the year 2000 no the story I'm going to tell you, which is when I went, went to the BAFTAs in a short blue dress and it was mm. like I'd murdered my grandmother because it, it it was, Kilroy made a whole show about it. They flew the dress in from Paris to, and they made this whole show and half of the uh, studio audience were vile and the other half were supportive and it was front page of the papers and it was in the papers. It was in a national newspaper printed along with some comment or other, every day for about 18 months. And the crime? The crime was not about the dress. The crime was, should a woman aged 39 wear a dress above the knee? It's like, what? Oh, it's shocking. And I say that, but the vitriol was off the scale. So Mm. now, you see, when you've lived through all of that vitriol, right, Mm -hmm. it's easy. The world's easy because what else can you throw at me? It's like, it's all easy. I, I've survived that. Bring it on, babe. You know, it's, not, <laughs> it's like I'll wear what I want to wear. Well, what's so, you know, contagious about your showing yourself in lots of different outfits sometimes on your Instagram page is your happiness and it's that yeah. that shines through and your confidence and it's that that your fans gravitate to well they do although I have to say Rosie I do I do do things <laughs> you do now. look very hot in a swimsuit I, as I well. am a, bit of a bugger so sometimes I do things deliberately <laughs> I know <laughs> I do wonder I mean you get the hits though don't you but when you do Sometimes um, I do it, I think, ah, I'll just wind them up this time and I post. <laughs> <laughs> but you're having fun. And why not? I don't care. So, yeah, well, yeah. you do look incredible in a swimsuit. <laughs> um, and that brings me quite neatly on to I'm a celebrity oh. <laughs> and swimsuit moments. We've got to talk a bit about this because you were on that show in 2016. Yeah, well, I um, didn't necessarily have a swimsuit. You see, that was one of the things that I was like, mm. so I wore swimming costumes rather than a bikini deliberately. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's and quite, you look great in those swimming costumes. Well, that's very kind. But I just, uh, it's quite a weird thing, that whole shower. And it, it, I think you'll notice on this series of I'm a Celebrity, it's not as obvious. So the weather well, shower, I hope not, because it is quite uncomfortable, really, very isn't uncomfortable. it, now? I yeah. find it an uncomfortable place because mm. you literally are expect. I mean, physically, you know, geographically. Yeah, it's very voyeuristic. Yeah, and you could see, like, three cameras, even though they're, like, small cameras. I mean, you could see where they're positioned. Mm. And there was nowhere to hide. So, no. like, well, I don't want to fundamentally... No, that's objectifying women, isn't it? Well, I don't do it now. It's no, more, which is good. Uh, yeah, it's quite shocking actually when you look back, and a number of celebrities sort of really came fell victim to that, really, yes, didn't they? Yes, and so I think that you know it's you know it was of its time, and that and that just shows again how society's rules change. Yeah. You know? Now, would you do another reality show? No, I don't think so. I, I have always, I'm a Celebrity has always been my favourite show. And mm. uh, I did it because it was my favourite show. Mm-hmm. But I'm not, no, I wouldn't do, no. ever do Big Brother or anything like that. No. What about if they brought Love Island out for an older generation? Ah, I do laugh. think that that could make great TV. That would be a laugh. 
Yeah, that would, that. wouldn't it? I'd do that. <laughs> you heard it here first, yeah, bosses. Do that. <laughs> do that. that would be hilarious. It would, wouldn't it? Because can you imagine the conversation oh. as well with all of that life experience? Well, it'd be interesting, wouldn't they? I'd, it I'd would. I'd really quite like that, to be honest. Yeah. It'd just be like mischief making, you know, on a yeah. grand scale. Now, in an interview with Hello not so long ago, you did tell us that you didn't want to marry again, that nope. you're naturally happier being single. Um, what do you think about that and being too much pressure from society to sort of present these only typical images of the happily settled midlife woman? Well, I I think I'm right for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say that, about a month ago, I was on uh, This Morning, which I'm now on quite a lot. Mm-hmm. And they said to us, uh, I was on with my old friend, Giles Brandreth, um, who I've known for 40 years. He was on the first series of Countdown back in 1982 with uh, myself and Richard. And um, we were in doing the newspaper review. And then they said, oh, can you do the phone in? Uh, oh, yeah, of course, yeah. A little bit later in the show, what's the subject? And I said, mature dating. I went, right, record scratch. Yeah. I'll do it, but I'll only do it if I can be truthful. So I won't do the, are you looking for love? You want to find, you know, the next love of your life and all that. I said, I won't do that because I don't believe it. So, but Giles can do that because he's been very happily married for 50 years or so. Mm-hmm. But I, I will do it, but I'll give my view, which is about you can be happy without having one person, you know. You know, blah 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 blah. So anyway, mm. I did this, and so I said about how I've been living my life for ten years with what I call special friends. Blah. Well, we ran over by twenty-two minutes. <laughs> Just a number of phone calls in, and I have never had a response to anything. And as you know, Rosie, a number of yeah. years ago, I kind of broke the taboo talking about depression in the menopause. Mm. Massive reaction to that. Mm-hmm. This is a bigger reaction. And particularly from women, women Mm -hmm. who have been made to feel like failures because their marriage failed and that they haven't found another man. Well, Mm. so I'm, you know, I'll say it as it is and and I'm happy to say it as it is. And I have theories about it and I've got a lot to say. I could write a book about it because there are many ways of finding happiness and your worlds change as you get older. So my theory fundamentally is there are five I don't know buckets five glasses so you are you I am me and there is an entity called us and this applies whether it's you know man woman mother child friend friend but there is also you have your world and I have Mm. my world Now, when you're in your 20s and the whole marriage thing is you and your world, me and my world, all get poured into the us pot. Right. And that is Mm -hmm. what we what marriage is. Everything. Mm -hmm. So we have decided to pour it all in. Well, when you're 23, the only thing in your world, things in your world are your mates. Your mates from uni, if you ever went there and your job. That's basically it and a bit of your family. But when you're 55, Mm. or kind of by definition, there's the ex-wife, if it's the man, or two ex-wives, children, um, Mm -hmm. heir partners, grandchildren, your career, where you are, is it retirement, what your finances are, you know, who your mates are, who's died, who's not well, your parents, you're looking at it. There's a whole big world that you're there. Yeah. So... Then you have your world, you have my world. I've got the equivalent at my end, right? So what I say is you decide what to put in the us pot. But us is the important thing. Whatever anybody anybody else thinks from your family, whatever anybody else from society might think, you decide. It's between you and me. We decide what our rules are and Mm -hmm. what we're going to pour into that pot. Some people might like a an us pot that is mm-hmm. just about you and me and it might be monogamous but it doesn't include your world in other words we're not going to live together it doesn't include your world and occasionally 
we might go to a family event, but it doesn't have to include that. I yeah. I have a full life as it is, so yeah. do you. But we can mm-hmm. have nice time together and there's a mm-hmm. genuine love every you decide. You decide what your rules are. Mm. It's not for society to dictate. Now I happen to like a small as pot, because I don't want to put much of my life into it, but I have quite a few as pots. <laughs> Oh, I love that. And, so you um, are. So are you dating at the moment? Well, you see, you're asking me that question, aren't you? No. <laughs> what does it mean? Just having fun with I different am pots. Fun, but <laughs> your definition of dating might be different to my definition. Mm. Some people are very happy without a partner. Yes. Hello. <laughs> it's finding you're happy, isn't it? Finding it's finding what is makes you it. happy, whether that is dating a number of people, whether that is being in a monogamous relationship, whether yeah. it's not, yeah, whether it's having a one chapter with somebody and then you move on to the next. Well, isn't it lovely? You know, I've had yeah. like three months with, you know, where I in the last 10 years, where it's three months, oh, we've fallen in love, we've had a great time. And then I'm going, no, I don't, I don't want my, oh, whatever, he might live abroad mm. or whatever, it, you know, whatever it is. I don't want to go to the next phase. So, yeah. uh, but that's fine because then we go back into a different us pot. Yes. You know, and, then you, and then it all, you're happy again. Well, as long as you're happy in your with your different pots, that, that is the main thing, isn't it? Yeah. Well, what, one thing I do want to quickly get onto, Carol, as well, is a bit about menopause because we at Hello are strong supporters of this perimenopause and menopause phase of life. And we really believe in opening up the conversation around this stage Quite of life. Right. And, and you have spoken in the past about some debilitating symptoms of your menopause and how your mental health really suffered. And I saw you recently attended the Menopause Mandate March at Westminster, which I would have been at if I didn't have children duties that very afternoon. Um, and that was all about improving support for women going through this stage of life. Now, what would you say to anyone listening who is suffering at the moment with their symptoms? I would say... Do not be afraid of the system. Go and get your bloods checked. You need data. So first thing you can do that costs you nothing is keep a diary of your periods, when you start, what your moods are at that time, if you start to feel blackness. Because it's not just the physical, you know, Mm. menopause, the symptoms of menopause, is like going into a menopause supermarket and you take your trolley and you're going to have different things in your trolley to me. But fundamentally, there are probably like 50 symptoms. You might have 25. I might have 37. You, you might have 10. And I might have a completely different 10. But, that you know, you know what they are. Mm-hmm. And they are mental as well as, uh, you know, they affect your brain as much as your physiology. So data, 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 data. Make a note of your moods. Make a note of you know, particular instances where you feel you're not being yourself mm-hmm. and particularly your periods, how heavy they are and all that. Just build it up. Just build up the data because any proper uh, medic will need the data. And then, and it is appalling to say it, if you can get a doctor's appointment, you, you need your blood checking and also have your thyroid hormones checked at the same time. Mm-hmm. Do not accept, because often, you know, and I know this with my thyroid, which I'm more than happy to talk about. I haven't spoken about it before. But mm. um, don't accept that, oh, yeah, you're fine. Right? Don't. You want the numbers. You need the numbers. Because the definition of fine uh, is not fine. Mm-hmm. So so do you take thyroxine? Yes. And, and when did was, you start taking that? Was that recently? or last year. This year, wow! Okay, in the last six months, because I was I I I was bloated. I was constantly taking uh, water retention tablets. You know, anti water retention. Yeah. Literally, if I went for a walk, I'd come back and my calves were bloated. My ankles were bloated. I couldn't drop weight. I know because I'm pretty good at eating. What you know, my weight should be compared mm. to what I eat. Mm-hmm. I, I don't count calories. I haven't weighed myself since 1999. But I I literally don't know what my weight is. But I, you know, come on, 
we're all realistic, aren't we? We know when we've put a little bit on them. Yeah. And I couldn't drop unless I was more or less fasting. And I was tired and I couldn't sleep and all of that. So I paid, um, because I'm fascinated by this, uh, and this all started, this those symptoms, post-menopause. So the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, is it COVID, long COVID related? You know, you get all of this. Because you can't get an appointment with your GP. So I I found a, what they're called functional medicine doctors. So a properly qualified doctor. But they deal with wellness rather than illness. And I also paid, and I would recommend them to anybody online. There's a company called medichecks.com. Obviously, you have to pay for your uh, test, and I think it's about 60 quid or something for your thyroid test. So I was doing all of this, like, uh, and I could see that my thyroid levels, and there are a number of different thyroid hormones, which I won't go into the details of, but they were all at the lower end. They weren't critical, but they were at the lower end. So I saw this functional medicine doctor, Dr. Martineau, and she said, oh, well, we'll just get you back up to where you should be, which is like the middle to the higher end. Mm-hmm. So I'll give you thyroxine. Well, because I've already been taking, I've got through that whole psychological difficulty of, well, I'm taking hormones because I've been taking them during the menopause yeah. uh, in uh, bioidentical gels. Your estrogen and... Yeah, estrogen and um, androfem and the testosterone yeah. stuff, yeah, made mm-hmm. for women. So I thought, all right, okay, I'll try that. And that, boom. Has made all the difference. Everything. Wow. Everything. Mm -hmm. I can't do without them now. They're amazing. They are just, yeah, they're amazing. And and she said to me that it's very typical of post-menopause. Right. Interesting. So that's. That's a new piece of information I haven't heard before. There you are. So get your thyroid tested too. Keep asking the questions, Wills. Yes. Yeah. And so are you good? I mean, you strike me as somebody who's good at leaning into self-care. I am. Mm. During lockdown, I investigated hyperbaric oxygen therapy about, it wasn't about growing to an old you know living to a an older age it was about keeping healthy during the years I've got mm. more than, kind of go back to what we talked about in the, and I'm very lucky because I have money to investigate things and I I treat life as an experiment yeah and I genuinely do because it's fascinating I find life fascinating that's why I can never go down the negative route because it's just all embracing and fascinating. And it's a bonus. You know, life itself is a bonus. Talk to people who are ill and they'll tell you life itself is a bonus. So enjoy mm. it. Oh, that's a great thing to say, Carol. And it is something that we need to remind ourselves of daily sometimes. Um, that's great now listen I want to ask you my three quick takeaways at the end of this interview so tell me what is the best piece of advice you've been given well my mother always used to say this to me she used to say well prepared is half one so if it's something and this is more like job and work and stuff because you can be two things at the same time you know you can be a very seriously minded person and also a mischief maker. I would consider myself <laughs> pretty much the two. And I vary between one extreme and the other. Um, so on the more serious, if you like, side of life, where being well prepared, you've half, you haven't won anything, but you've half won it. Because mm. not being ill prepared you're onto a sticky wicket to start with. you're always on the back foot yeah so well prepared is hard one. that's great advice yeah and tell me what one thing is guaranteed to put you in a good place getting tarted up and knowing I can cause mischief <laughs> I love that at the beginning really? of a day or a night out it yeah <laughs> and what is your ultimate good place on the planet well, so I'm going to ask it as a different question. If I could only take one trip, 
I know a lot of people say, oh, my home and all that. I wouldn't say that. If I could take one trip and that's it. Yeah. It would be on a boat. I used to charter small boats. I can't captain a boat, so I'd have a captain and a cook. (laughs) (laughs) In the British Virgin Islands, in the warmth, and just, oh, oh, it's just the best thing. Or if it's not that, it's walking down a street in a busy city just before Christmas when all the lights are on and you're Mm. running into a pub and all your mates are there or into a restaurant or into a bar or wherever it might be. I like that. Oh, that's lovely. What a nice image. Very warm. Yeah. Oh, Carol, it's been an absolute joy to talk to you. And I know that we could quite easily be here for the rest of the afternoon and evening and probably into the night. (laughs) And we would end up having lots of fun along the way, I'm sure. I love your outlook on life. And thank you so much for sharing so much with me today. My pleasure. Today, I'm putting the spotlight on one of the hotels in the Luxury Family Hotels collection. Woolly Grange is a Jacobean manor located on the edge of a medieval market town, Bradford-on-Avon, just outside Bath. A place for adventure, for the kids to get a little messy and where you can be close to nature. The Victorian walled garden is where you'll find a family of chickens and ducks and the organic vegetable and herb garden where produce is harvested daily. The Good Life Garden, an area designed with children in mind with make-believe playhouses, a real-life tractor and little green fingers club where children can join the head gardener for a spot of gardening. The hotel has a strict pooches welcome policy, meaning your canine friends are welcomed with open paws. Through generous hospitality, the hotel offers the gift of time. Time to get close to nature, time to just be in the moment and time to create wonderful family memories. And I had an incredible weekend at Woolly Grange with my family, something completely unforgettable for my boys. I loved chatting to Carol so much. Her energy is contagious. And if you enjoyed this episode, please do tell the world about it in case you know someone who might enjoy it too. And if you fancy leaving a rating or a review on Apple, I would be so grateful. We're thinking of this podcast as a community. So if you have any suggestions for guests, please let us know at at HelloMag on all social media platforms. A huge thank you to our partner, Luxury Family Hotels. And you can find Carol on Instagram at Carol Borders. See you next time.